You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. I am Johnny Christ, and this is Drinks with Johnny. Thanks for checking out the podcast. On this week's episode, I had the esteemed pleasure of having a chat with WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley. That's right, I say esteemed pleasure because I am a huge pro wrestling fan, and I grew up watching Mick from his days in WCW as Cactus Jack all the way through when he became Mankind, Dude Love, and ultimately going by his real name, Mick Foley. Uh, We had a great chat. I was able to catch his stand-up shows that he's doing right now at the Irvine Improv and then came out to the Ontario Improv where we did this interview together. And, oh man, it was just so much fun. He's doing a great stand-up right now. I really urge all of you to go check it out. Um, If it's coming around through your city, I, I really urge you to get out there and check out this show. It's a very, very fun, very light uh, interaction with Mick Foy, which is, can be so awesome if you're a wrestling fan or you know, even a fan of his books. You know, he's a, a number one bestseller. Have a nice day. A Tale of Blood and Sweat Socks is out. And uh, yeah, there was a number one bestseller. This professional wrestler put out a number one bestseller and now is at the 20-year anniversary of that, touring around doing his stand-up show, which is really cool. At the end of it, he talks to the fans, answers some questions, and he's just such a nice guy. Um, as you might might already know, uh, we get into everything that we, that we possibly could. Uh, we, we did this podcast right before he was about to go on stage so you'll hear the background music he makes a couple comments about it and yeah we just honestly had a great time meeting Mick and going over some high points of his career and yeah I'm just super excited uh if you like what you're hearing make sure you go follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook drinks with Johnny let me know uh how you how you're enjoying the show really appreciate it oh and we have a YouTube channel, so if you can go over there and hit the subscribe button if you like what you're hearing. Uh, there's also video there of this podcast. And, you know, if you can just subscribe, it's free. It, I'm, it, it's fun. Uh, there's nothing nothing we're trying to do here but have, have fun and, and have interesting conversations with interesting people. This being one of them. This was one of the highlights for me to have a chat with someone that I grew up watching and just a huge fan of and getting to know him a little bit and understanding like who Mick Foley really is, right? So this is 
this is a really cool, really fun podcast for me. And I cannot stress enough how cool of a person Mick Foley is. He's an outstanding gentleman. And uh, yeah, so we get into a lot of things and have fun with it, share some laughs. And yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun being able to meet somebody that I grew up watching again. So not to, <laughs> not to beat that dead horse too much. But uh, yeah, without further ado, I bring you Drinks with Johnny with Mick Foley. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Johnny Christ, and you are listening or watching to uh, Drinks with Johnny. I am joined today by a man of many names, many things, WWE Hall of Famer, Cactus Jack, Mankind, Mick Foley, Dude Love, Father, Husband. Mick Foley. Thanks for doing the show, hey, man. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for being on, on here. Yeah, we, yeah. we put this together in a hurry, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I was talking about it yesterday. <laughs> and I didn't even know you came to my show last yeah, night. Yeah, I was there last night. Secretively. Yeah. And you can vouch. It's a pretty good show, right? It's a very good show. Yeah, so it's, it's you're you're out on, on the road right now doing a anniversary tour yep. of the book, uh, Have a Nice Day, 20. Tale of... Blood, Blood and sweat and socks. Sweat socks. Great. Um, yeah, I just uh, I just thought it was, I took my cue from some of the musicians who celebrate you know twentieth anniversaries of uh, certain albums, mm -hmm. and I wanted to erase that. Like, well, what's he talk about? Does he do like current events? Does he do politics? And I was like, no, these are stories from the book. Bring them to life on stage. And if even you know you saw the show last night, even yeah. if you know the stories, I think it's just different when you hear the guy telling them absolutely and I think uh, going out there nightly gives me the chance to work on the stories improve them and if I see fit to exaggerate them a little bit. I don't, I don't <laughs> well think... you know I I definitely enjoyed the set last night I, I have to say that one of my favorite things was your interaction with the crowd too you're, nice. you're out here you're talking to these to these fans of yours that are you know obviously very knowledgeable they, they know the books they know your life they have great questions and you know you're you're answering these questions for them and then Another underrated part that I loved was your impersonation of Terry Funk. <laughs> I have yeah. to say, that was uh, the voice was pretty spot on. I could close my eyes and I, was, and I you know, you, you know this as a wrestling fan, you know some of the stories and some of you know going through. And you guys have been together for a yeah, long time. He's kind lot. of a mentor and father figure. Yeah, too, yeah, I love telling the Funk stories, especially because he meant so much to my career. And then you know, I get to selectively go through and pick out stories stories that I like telling and um, I miss it's funny because not everybody's aware of is as knowledgeable about Terry as you are and even <laughs> if they don't know the voice it still resonates as being oh, yeah. his voice oh it is and like you know look uh, last night I you know I went back and I reflect on uh <laughs> Terry Funk telling the Undertaker that I was still still breathing <laughs> and then I throw in the laugh which we set up earlier in the show and it gets yeah. this great reaction you know people terry didn't actually laugh when he said it but that's where you have the creative freedom to be oh, like, yeah. i'm gonna do a little callback to that laugh that people enjoy and it gets yeah. a nice response and that's fun you know yeah. that's great and uh, i'm so glad that you that you're talking about the the tour and everything too i, I know that um I, I did this podcast, one of my first ones was with uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he mentioned that you know, he was going through this, kind of the same things that I, I think I've heard uh, that you've had too, where over the years of a lot of abuse in the, in the ring and, you know, for you kind of outside of the ring too, mm -hmm. um, there was, you know, a lot, of, a lot of connectors that you want that 
the, the brain is a muscle, basically, and kind of right. getting out here every night and yeah, talking about this. Like I do get serious from time to time. Like I'm in comedy venues, but like I love the idea that the one man show it is whatever it is on that given night. And I think it was during the Q and A that I acknowledged uh, that it had some uh, <laughs> some trauma, and that I had found a way to uh, you know to exercise my brain. Yeah. So in a sense, on a nightly basis, people are paying. <laughs> to watch me do rehab. Yeah. yeah, that's great. It's good because you can either like you can either toss and throw in the towel and say there's nothing I can do, or you can fight it. And yeah. so uh, I'm lucky that I'm not only fighting it, but I'm doing it in a way uh, that I enjoy, that fulfills me creatively, and that uh, allows me to make a pretty good living doing it. Yeah, too. and not, not, not to mention the fact that I'm I know all your fans are loving it too. <laughs> yeah, they and really they say, enjoy it. You yeah. see, I remember a guy, uh, a good guy, concerned about my uh, set. He was like, "Got to work on your LPMs. It's last per minute." Mm. And I was like, "You know, I don't care about my LPMs." This reminds me of jumping into music a little bit. I have a friend who's a bass player. Okay. Uh, her name's Catherine Popper, and she was on that dual rotation with Jack White when he had the all-female oh, okay. band yeah. and the all-male band. And luckily, when I went to see him play at Radio City, my friend Catherine was in the lineup. But we got together, was talking with some of the other band members, and he said, uh, the, the keyboard player said, Jack told me, like, listen, I don't care about the notes. And he went to say something, and Jack looked at me and goes, no, I mean it. I don't care about the notes, what I care <laughs> about is the feeling behind the notes. That's great, yeah. And I don't care how many things you miss as long as, you know, when you're hitting it, it's, uh, you know, it's legit. With intention. Uh, yeah, and that's the way that I was talking to him, like, no, I don't care about the number of laughs. The only thing I care about is the way people feel when they leave the, the, the building. Do yeah. they have a big smile on their face? Do they think it was worth the time and trouble and the money they spent? And that's all I care about. Because to me, rating the number of laughs and one of these shows would be like rating the number of bumps that you take in a wrestling match. Yeah. You know, it's not the number, it's when you do when it, they, why, and how you make people feel, you know, when that match is over. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, uh, from what I've learned from you um, over, over many years of following you as a, as a wrestler, uh, the way that Superfly Jimmy Snuka made you feel yeah, uh, at a yeah. time, and that was the, kind of the, the, the birth of Cactus Jack. Yeah, way, I was chasing know? that feeling. I wanted to yeah. make, make people feel the way that I did that night. You know, I, I, I went back and watched a bunch of stuff, and I saw the first pay-per-view I could find. I'm sure there were some prior to, but in 1990, Cactus Jack Manton, the name Manton gets dropped all the time. Oh, it did, yeah. <laughs> I dropped it, you know. That was your, that was your creative uh, Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I dropped it. Uh, I, I, interest of full disclosure, you know, like, I, I'm, I didn't like it, but it yeah. was bestowed on me. Mm -hmm. Robert Fuller told me, Jacko, you know, guy like you could use a good gimmick. You know, you work a gimmick, you could ride that a long way. And he pretty much told me, you know, odds were against me, the way I looked, the way people expected people in the business look at that time. And if I, you could find a gimmick that worked for you. And so I may have resisted, but when I threw myself into it, I threw myself in wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I did a, I did a Helter Skelter, <laughs> Skelter music video. Yeah. That was well done, you know. I mean, <laughs> I changed it to my entrance music, so I can't say I resisted it. 
but when I did have the power to change it, yeah. I changed it. I mean, I think it, it, it served its purpose for a yeah. quick time, sure. but it was easy to drop. Everyone, yeah. you were Cactus Jack before you, when you still had that. So and you're talking about the match, and is this me and Norman? Yes, Norman, uh, the lunatic. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> this was a great match. I was watching back, and I, I was like... I don't know if you call it great. I'll tell you what <laughs> I do remember about that um, is that it was Ric Flair's birthday. He uh, wrestled Lex Luger for... 46 or 48 minutes, had a great wow. match with Luger, and I think Luger been underrated as an asset over the last 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. But it happened to be Ric Flair's birthday. How I got invited, I don't know, but Terry was at the party. It was Rick had a big suite, you know, like three room suite at the hotel. Oh, wow. I had to like walk across the street from the Motel 6 or something. <laughs> and uh, Terry was there. Terry told almost like a parable about an angel and a devil and how the angel ended up saying, don't you see, without you, there's no me. And then he looked at me and says, Norman was an angel out there, but you were not the devil. Like he was telling me, I had to concentrate, work harder at getting mm -hmm. my heat, not rely on just the big bumps, but make everything I did as meaningful as possible. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with me because that was one of the hardest things I had to work on. That I'm not a naturally aggressive person. Not I, I alluded to not being like the classic alpha male personality, and so I really had to work on that to make it, you know, to, to come across as being, uh, you know, uh, a threat in the ring. Yeah. That's, that's incredible because, you know, when you, as an outsider, you see Cactus Jack, you know, def, I definitely didn't. Cactus Jack and my, <laughs> Mankind specifically. Yo, Those two characters are, are, are pretty far from tame. <laughs> by uh, the time I got to like 96 or even in 90, by 91 when I was with Sting, I was scaring people on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, not just women and children. There were some, you know, teenagers in their formative years uh, that I threw a little fear into. And uh, I can imagine. it's great when you meet an adult and they're like, you terrified me. You know? <laughs> I, I want to go back to real quick uh, yeah, though, to ahead. the story with uh, Rick on Ric Flair's birthday. Yeah. What was this party like? Can you be a little bit more, uh, can you paint that picture a little <laughs> bit better? I mean, more specifically, uh, you don't strike me as anyone that uh, really partake too much in the party life. But I mean, once upon yeah. a time you were younger, I imagine. And I was never much of a partaker. Yeah. Um, uh, I may throw in an additional story tonight that I didn't last night about being in college and just like almost being in a trance-like state and a friend of mine comes over and he was like, what's going on? You're just staring out this window and I was like, just wondering if I were to jump off that roof, do you think that garbage can could break my fall? Like it was all that was on my mind. He goes, I think you need another drink, I think. I'm not drinking. Like, <laughs> I just so everything I saw around me was a challenge. Like, could I do this? Yeah. Could I do this? And it was never, I was always concerned about the physical fallout. So it was always, can I do this within my, do I have the ability to do this? Because one thing about wrestling is no matter what type of pounding you take one night, you're out there the next night uh, doing it again. And for a business that's, you know, people assume involves faking things yeah what you're faking most of the time is when you are pretending not to be hurt when you are <laughs> so as much as people think we feign pain most of the time it's not the case we're feigning not being injured when, yeah. or beaten up and broken down when i could we see are. how that would easily be the case yeah. and you you mentioned a couple of times that you know uh, people think you're crazier than you are but you right. have a way that you Oh, the uh, see everything. Foley yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, 
Is he just full of it? Does he know that everything he's doing, even if he thinks? <laughs> uh, well, there were times, you know, I, 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 make, I make it seem like the instantaneous Foley risk-reward ratio analysis was never wrong. <laughs> there were plenty of times where I was like, oh, I could have sworn I could have done that. What happened, you know? <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, I mean, some of those things, like for me, I, I grew up watching Cactus, uh, Cactus Jack and WCW um, at my grandmother's house. She, okay. had, she oh, had cable cool. and it was, she had TNT and TBS. Oh, nice. so yeah, that's yeah. what we were watching it on. And you kind of came onto the scene and I saw you battling the, all the top guys. There was, there was Sting, Bader, uh, uh, Ron Simmons, yep, yep. Uh, when Ron Simmons became the first African-American uh, yeah. champion, uh, champion yeah. at the time. And uh, one of the my, one of my favorite battles um, had to be with Vader. And wow! Yeah, I remember. How was it like uh, wrestling, Leon? Man, it was. Uh, I geared up for every one of those matches, whether it was televised or just a house show. Like uh, to me, it was like my Ali Frazier. Mm. I mean, that's how seriously I took it. And there was uh, a show maybe five, six uh, days ago where I was asked like about a high point of my career and I talked about uh, Halloween Havoc against Vader um, and I ended up grabbing a fan's camera and hitting Leon with it and then I looked out at the crowd and they just kind of all reacted as my, you know, my, as my gaze was upon them, like they reacted uh, like in mass and then they said, what's the low point? I go, me realizing I'd never get that high again. Yeah. And then I was wrong, you know, like I'm so thankful that that wasn't the peak of my career, but at the time it was. I it thought like it was, it. but I put everything I had and we left, uh, we left it all out there. And yeah, I, I mean, it was, a, it was very evident. I, I can't remember if it was a Saturday night or if it was uh, leading into one of the pay-per-views where he gave you a Vader bomb on, on the concrete. The concrete. Yeah. I remember, see, I, I'm sure you've answered, you've talked about that to the cows come home, so you know you go to it. But I just remember it. I just want to, I remember seeing it when I was, you know, about six, seven years old. And, yeah. you know, and like not really fully grasping it at the time, but I was like, there is no way to brace that fall. No, no, it could have been worse. <laughs> I mean, he kind of took care of me, but I, 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 I was preparing for the worst. Uh, Wrote out a little uh, last will and testament before I, I did. <laughs> Legit. Wow. Left it for my wife in case things didn't work out well. Damn. And they did, you know. I mean, the, the follow-up was awful. That was with the Lost in Cleveland thing. I, re- oh, I you man. know, did you, so, so I was going to bring that up. Was that, was that uh, your creative? Was that given to you? That was, was Dusty. Now, Dusty, Dusty okay. deserves every accolade thrown his way about mm-hmm. being a creative genius, but that doesn't mean he doesn't miss, yeah, you know, yeah, once you know, in a while. Everyone's, everyone's wide right, but um, I went to him with the idea of doing something with Vader because when the Cactus Jack character went on, you know, had the baby face turn, fans were really excited. But they didn't empathize with me during the heat part of the match because they were seeing me do something they'd been told for two years that I thrived on and enjoyed. So it was like big response at the beginning, big response at the end. It's like, okay, we're gonna, we're not. He doesn't need our help, you know. Yeah. It's like the subconscious <laughs> thought, like he he enjoys this stuff. So I went to Dusty and I said, 
you know who I don't have that problem with is, is Vader. Yeah. And I said his stuff is, you know, it's just so it's overwhelming. So He's so much yeah. bigger. And then uh, I was thinking of doing like an injury, you know, a power bomb. And then Dusty's eyes lit up, and he's like, "We just rolled, we just rolled <laughs> we'll with it." Yeah, yeah. He, he was like, well, "You won't even remember." Next thing your you know, you're in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but then, but then, uh, so there was like a swerve though that happens right afterward. All of a sudden, it seems like. Then all of a sudden, Cactus was just playing. That's the way I covered it. I was, That's how you covered it. They pulled the plug on the on the scenario like eight weeks into a twelve week uh, well, run. run, and yeah, so gotcha. I had to have some reason. And so my reason was I was just getting into his head, playing mind games, and yet the announcers were still covering it like. I had been lost in Cleveland yeah. all that time. We still we delivered. We had a heck of a match. I wasn't crazy about the ending, um, but it was already like pre uh, preordained that that was the end of the road. Yeah. For that angle, like no yeah. matter how big we came up, that was the, the book was ended there. Following up the Vader thing, though, briefly we go over. You're in Germany. You 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 lose your lose ear yep. from that from the rope. Everyone who knows wrestling knows this story. And uh, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'm sure, unless you got something you want to add to it. Well, just that, you know, only in the business of wrestling is losing your ear not necessarily a bad thing. Like, <laughs> it's actually a pretty good thing. And then when the powers that be didn't do anything with it, I just That's saw the writing on the wall. I was like, man, this is a gift from the writing, you know, the creative gods. Guy loses an ear. And I just thought, if they're not going to do anything with this, and it was kind of combined with the fact that I'd really worked on my German to where I could cut great German promos. They didn't have me do anything. My honest feeling was they didn't want me to get over gotcha. past the extent that, that, that I was pre-assigned. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's that's interesting. That that's actually what I wanted to get to. As though this happens in when, when did when did this? That was uh, out? March, I think, 14th or 17th of '94. '94. So at yeah. this time. Eric Bischoff has, has come in at, at WCW um, now. I can't. They, don't quote yeah, me on that. I think he was, but there was a lot of cooks. A lot of, in a lot the of people, and like, yeah. I think um, that was he, he had probably just started to come in and wasn't overseeing everything at that yeah, point. I mean, he, yeah. he was transitioning from announcer and and commentator. Yeah. I feel like. So to, I can't to, uh, point the finger grass. at one person. And okay. Besides twenty. Six years later, you know, oh, I don't yeah. want to start any, uh, everything worked out really well for me. But I did, um, you know, and maybe they just didn't think that I had it. And if that was the case, hopefully I proved them they wrong. They were dead wrong. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I think they thought I had it up to a certain level. Yeah. But even, you know, I remember guys, like uh, there was a guy named Frank Dusick, and he was a big proponent of mine in world-class championship wrestling. But when I was ready to leave, he's like, are you sure you want to do this? He's like, you will always have a home here. He goes, you're never going to be a top guy. You're always going to be bottom of the top, okay. top of the bottom. And then when I made him aware of that, like 13 years later, maybe even 10 years later, he literally got down on his knees, you know, kind of a mock gesture, but still very much appreciated. He said, I have never been so glad to be wrong. So yeah. even people who liked me and liked my style and thought I was an asset didn't necessarily see me breaking through to that mm -hmm. next level. Yeah, which is very interesting because obviously you did. You moved did, on to, yeah. uh, you did, uh, did ECW for a couple of years there. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, the one, I, briefly over that, there was uh, uh, kind of a triangle of rivalry there with, uh, I believe it was Sandman and the franchise. 
and uh, you guys were getting in brawls all the time there, like hardcore matches there. Yeah, at one point Shane came to my rescue against Sandman. And then it, uh, then it somehow it all kind of turned around. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. I mean, I was, you know, Paulie, he wanted guys there who wanted to get new talent over. So mm -hmm. Terry Funk was probably the best who's ever done that, and he helped kind of carried that promotion, you know, put it on his shoulders, brought it to the next level. <coughs> Paul knew that I liked to do that anyway, so we kind of brought Tommy Dreamer aboard as the guy, you know, who was, you know, standing behind me. Um, then when I, t you know, turned on Tommy uh, with uh, Raven, we did, some really, mm -hmm. we did some really good stuff. And, I love the idea of elevating talent and trying to make uh, the place a little better. You've always been you've always been very good at that. You're, you're one of the guys that can like put over anybody when you're taking bumps. When you're, it just it just looks so believable. You're just getting. I mean, and, and it probably felt pretty believable to you too. Believable most nights you did. Yeah. My mathematical equation was okay if it hurts me a lot. People will think it hurts me a yeah. little. You know, they were like, all right, that had to hurt. So it was, So now you're moving on to the WWF. You're coming in. I, um, you're coming in on April 1st in 1996. That's it, yeah. Debut, uh, Raw. Leading up to this, you're cutting some of, the, some of my favorite promos. <laughs> you're talking to a rat in a yeah, boiler room. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just... And I remember looking at it going, that's Cactus Jack. <laughs> and you know, I don't know for a lot of the fans out there, when... When all that's shifting around, when WCW, ECW, WF, yeah. and all this talent is kind of pulling together, it's, and I wasn't a guy reading the magazines. I was just yeah, watching yeah. it on TV. It was starting to get confusing. I was like, what, why are they calling this guy Mankind? It's Cactus Jack. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the promos come out, and then you come out, and you put, your, you put the mandible claw on Bob Holly. Bob Holly, that's right, yeah. that night. Then I jumped The Undertaker later in that program, and yeah. we were off to the races. It's funny because... Maybe a year after that, year 97, 98 for sure, it became really a big deal to raid the other company's talent. But here I was sitting there, you know, sitting, not just sitting there, I was working in Japan, I was working ECW, I was busy, you know, every weekend. Um, and I was really committed to trying to steal the show everywhere I went, no matter what the size of the crowd was. And they had a chance, they could have brought in Cactus Jack, but mm -hmm. Vince McMahon was not a fan. Uh, if the wrestling war had been there in earnest, maybe they would have taken a chance on that, that character, but he just didn't think it was a big enough uh, name and didn't well, like the character. However it worked out, I'm glad, because I, I absolutely <laughs> love Mankind. I thought, it, I thought the character was great, yeah, and the I, fact that, you know, you almost you jumped a lot of the range right away too to go straight to Taker. I oh, mean, Taker is the the big the big guy on campus, you know. But you'd you'd worked with him in WCW a little bit before. Well, I knew part. him. I mean, I don't think we ever wrestled. Okay. Uh, but I traveled with him. I remember staying over at his house, parents' house. Uh, family was real nice. You got any you got any fun stories <laughs> with uh, with the Taker? Yeah, one story is like, you know, I I knew he was a little disgruntled with the way they were using him. You know, I, Ole Anderson uh, luckily wasn't just wrong about me. And this is back in WCW. Yeah, I was wrong about Undertaker as well. I mean, uh, just thought he was going to be at this level. Never saw, you know, never foresaw him bursting through like he did. So when I was watching uh, Survivor Series 1990, here I am. I last saw the guy five months earlier. Mm -hmm. He comes out, might as well have been a completely new human being, right, with that amazing character. And so I, in WrestleSpeak, you know, I marked out for that character. Every time mm -hmm. I saw it, you know, I was like, I was aware it was the guy that I knew and traveled with. But in another way, he was like 
a different human being. Mm -hmm. So one night, I think 90, you know, 92, somewhere in there, I see the Undertaker's hearse that had drive, drive, going through a drive-through. <laughs> I start chasing the car, like knocking on the door, like, hey, Mark, it's pretty cactus. And he did open the window. So that was the last time That's I saw him before, before you moved I up. came yeah. in 96. So I have to believe that he, he wanted to do business. And he, and, he wanted to bring you in. And, and then he, when he heard I was coming in, he was like, yeah, there's a guy I can do business with. I think he was just tired of working with guys who were bigger than him, you know? Like, uh, that was that was always, uh, that, for uh, who the early 90s, he was always right. against, he was battling all the giants. Yeah, uh, he was, you know, six, he was seven. the giant that was slaying giants. Yeah, that's uh, it. Uh, yeah. Go figure that. But, you know, then you got into, I mean, you had that, Epic. I mean, I feel like you and the Undertaker, uh, or mankind and the Undertaker, rather, you know, kept battling throughout. Uh, yeah, we the, did. Uh, yeah. And but in between those, there was a lot of battles with Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Obviously, the great moments of the Hell Hell in the Cells. You know that that happened. You know, uh, famously, the, when Taker throws you through the uh, the commentating table, and you kind of see the. The look on his face is oh, yeah, yeah. almost broken character pretty much at that point. As close as he gets to breaking character, yeah. he's a little concerned about me. Um, and that, you know, even though I did the special uh, two years ago mm -hmm. about that one match in particular, no one minds when I occasionally talk about it. I did last night. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it comes up, sometimes it doesn't. If uh, it's, it's in the q and I'm always happy to, you know, to talk about that match. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just one of many incredible ones, uh, in my opinion. And then, you know, you get into tag teaming with The Rock. Just thinking, the you've Rock taken inside. more notes here. I'm looking at your... <laughs> oh, you mean these? Boy, look at that. This is oh, what I do goodness. every time, people. Wow. I put together, I, I, I try to make sure, you know, we don't get through all this. We just need to go back on it. <laughs> but I want to get to The Rock and Sock. <laughs> Talk about it. So you, you got mankind. He's he's you know done the the corporate stuff, and now now he's he's <laughs> he's getting a little silly. Mankind is getting a little silly now, and he's got Socko out. Yeah. And he joins up with the Rock, and you guys have some fun. And this is when you start to see in my in my book. This is the first time I can see Mick Foley kind of bring out that happy humor that oh, yeah, that stuff yeah. that we get and to see. You know, now. it coincided with the like uh, the decline of my knees. And, uh, you know, really, uh, it had been taking a beating for a long time. Mm. It was catching up to me. And I was trying to figure out how to keep my head above water there. That's one of the great uh, challenges for any, you know, any wrestlers. You, not to stay, you know, it's like musicians. Like, okay, unless you're ACDC and people love you in that box. Yeah. And they don't want you to, you know, they, they don't want you to sing a sensitive ballad no matter what, you know. They, they don't want to see character growth. They want to... They want that. They, it's, the it's, their, it's their party night. Yeah. You know, it, it may be, you know, the nth time that we've done it, but it, it's their one yeah. night to get out and enjoy the night. Exactly. And, you know, and that's great, you know. Uh, but in our case, uh, we have to kind of keep tweaking things before the audience realizes that the character needs yeah. to be tweaked. So I could point to any number of people who didn't realize that process, relied on the same catchphrases too long, and it was like they kind of got swept away. Uh, yeah, well, you also, tides. yeah, I mean, and you always were able to keep ahead of that. I will say yeah, you had yeah. a great, you know, always had a great tagline and everything like that and very brilliant in that. Did, did, are, are those all yours, the creative, the bang, bang, the have a nice bang, day? Bang, bang, have a nice day was just Jim Ross saying okay. offhand, like, and then just, uh, you know, 
he was telling me what they were looking for in that first promo with George the Rat. He threw out the Have a Nice Day line, and I just uh, rode that out. bad boy yeah. for the last uh, 20 <laughs> And now you're on tour on the years. Have a Nice Day Have tour. Have a Nice Day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so then, it, you know, you mentioned uh, some, you know, knee, knee issues and stuff like that, and I, I read somewhere that you, you've been an advocate to help other uh, pro wrestlers who um, are, have retired and, and have health issues and getting uh, I getting try, you way. know, I, I try to get the word out there. Sometimes there's GoFundMes that I'll contribute to and I'll try to get the word out. Someone like ODB, uh, her food truck burned down and, mm. uh, and I was trying to get people, uh, you know, behind it to help her because this is something like this is her dream her post wrestling dream yeah and she does an amazing job she really holds court at that food truck you know like is on all the time That's goes awesome. out takes photos you know it's a 16 hour day preparing the food serving the food breaking it down all those things and so uh uh when i was in san jose i declared it odb night and luckily we had a sellout in san jose which is about a incredible 400 seater and we raised quite a bit of money and she didn't get quite to where she wanted to get but she got enough it was, it was, yeah uh she got enough you know with my help the help of uh, a few other wrestlers uh, hundreds of fans helping out so when i do see someone uh in our business you know who maybe uh loved the business more than it loved them back I uh, I try to try to reach out and help when I can. You like to send them your love. I true do try. Which brings me to your next character. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now this character I absolutely love. I know I, I know the story of where uh, it was discovered, but I want to know where it came in your mind. Where did where did dude love uh, come? I don't in know. Your mind? Um, I just know that I created this character, and I used to put a wig on and uh, an orange headband, uh, like it was a t-shirt, you know, kind of like Rambo-esque type of thing, but Rambo didn't wear a, you know, a tattered pajama top. That was like the epitome of cool for me. I'm going to go out, I'm going to be a character in a club or a bar, and I'm going to have far more confidence as that character yeah. than I had as myself. I thought, well, this is pretty cool, you know. Like, oh, it was great to see your <laughs> smile, man. I mean, it was uh, if it wasn't a sideways kind of half cock smile, it was the first time it was a genuine smile. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, <laughs> the same way that you knew that I was cactus, you knew that I was Cactus Jack when I debuted as Mankind. But the only people who knew were those WCW fans. Mm -hmm. So I would say eighty percent of the WWE audience that I was performing in front of. Didn't know. didn't know what I looked like without the mask. They didn't have the internet then, so you could just look it up. People weren't so into, you know, discovering real names. So that when I came out as Dude Love, the only people put two and two together was I talked about this Dude Love character uh, with with Jim Ross in a series of interviews. So yeah. they saw it and they saw this is his happy place. <laughs> I guess the guy he's always wanted to be. Yeah. And they really climbed in. And it's interesting. It kind of went from mankind. Transition into into uh, Dude Love, and then Mick Foley. Can I just think uh, you yeah, played some pretty hard rock, right? Yeah. This to me is a little heavier than this audience should have. Before <laughs> we're hearing the music, I'm like, guys, I do a PG show. Like, yeah, it I is a PG show. It's a show for the whole family. Everybody, bring I, them I was all like, out. hey, we might want to put a little mixture in there. You know? What is so? Yeah, I'm this glad is you Zach Delarocca on vocals, oh, right? Yeah. He's getting angry. He's getting angry. angry. Socially conscious lyrics, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, come on, let's dumb it down a little bit. Let's, uh... <laughs> I don't know if anyone can hear this, but they're playing a little rage. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Well, let's get on music. What's, what's some of your favorite uh, genres or artists? Oh, man. Well, you heard me talk about Tori Amos yeah, last yeah, night, you know. Um, I run the gamut, you know. I do I, I do enjoy some hard rock and some metal. I'm good personal friends with Dee Snyder, mm. for example. I'll listen to, I'd like, like an alternative country. I'm not crazy with where country is gone, where everybody's kind of sitting around writing the same song over and over. <laughs> I like story, you know, I like storytelling story songs. Yeah. I like, but there are other ones you just, you know, you love the beat. You might not even know the lyrics after listening to it for the hundredth time. Uh, you know, good, like, Tom Petty, Springsteen, like the classic American rockers, and, uh, you know, had a real fondness for Warren Zevon before the world caught on to him. So I, uh, I DJed when I was in college, and we had an alternative radio station. Oh, I didn't know that. So you That's had to awesome. put some alternative cuts in there, but I had some things that I loved to play. I'm No Angel by Greg Allman. Uh, at that okay. time, it was One Hit to the Body by the Rolling Stones. Right. Uh, I would play uh, April Wine and um, just a bunch of di bunch of different things. That's super cool. Yeah. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I learned something new today yeah, with yeah. it. DJ McFoley. It's an eclectic choice. Yeah. Steve Austin said it was the worst taste in the wrestling business. <laughs> and there, that, that combined with me wanting to like visit historic sites and museums yeah. had me on my own by like year three in WWE. Yeah. So now you're everyone knows you as McFoley. You've, you've actually been able to use the character. I had a question. Is that is that really? Is the character Mick Foley in the ring? Is that just you with the with the knob turned up just a little bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially the closest character uh, that to me was when I was the commissioner. Yeah. So I was me with the nerd dial gotcha. turned up, and I, like I portray Santa every year, and yeah, I think that's the Christmas. closest to my heart. Like that one requires the least stretch, but it's the nicest stretch. Like you have to accentuate all the positive qualities. Yeah. No, it's great. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one -on -one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned. Stay thirsty and stay filthy as fuck. Mick Foley, knob turned off. Was that your own wardrobe? That you just grab that from the closet and throw on the flannel and show up? Oh yeah, that was. You know what? Was that awesome for you to just to oh, wear the, the yeah. comfortable clothes you I wanted loved to? It, yeah, <laughs> uh, I did, and uh, I mean the fans cut me a lot of slack, so I'm allowed to like show up like this, you know, sweatpants, no socks, yeah. ten dollars sneakers. So, and, uh, I'm, I'm getting towards, I'm going to Chile in two days. Chile? Yeah, uh, for a convention. And I'm like, you ever when you're on the road where you're down to like those last couple of clean items and then you have to select <laughs> the least dirty, dirty clothes like to get you through those last couple days. Enter uh, the birth of Sokka. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so last little moment I want to I uh, get your take on him. You know, we have a mutual friend, I, I believe, in uh, Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's a great dude. Um, he, he uh, I didn't realize when you were at the Hall of Fame being inducted. I mean, that must have been a really cool moment for you, first of all, right? I mean, it just was. being inducted in general. Yeah, Terry sure. Fuck, your, your mentor. Uh, I, you know, there. it's because I, I was the first guy they mentioned being inducted, right? 
And then all of a sudden they assemble this all-star team around me. Bruno San Martino, like the, mm. the, the main guy, the, the two guys that were missing that absolutely needed to be there in their history. Bruno and Backlund, and they both get in in my class. And then they add Booker, they add Trish, and, uh, and not only was the lineup really impressive, but it was like Schwarzenegger's inducting Bruno, Maria Menounos is inducting Backlund, Stephanie McMahon's inducting Trish, and, and Vince is inducting the, you know, the current president of the United States. Like there's a lot of like firepower up there. Yeah. And so they let me have anyone I wanted induct me. And I was like, hey, call me crazy, but I'm gonna have a wrestler do it. You know? like, <laughs> I don't really need an actor, celebrity, you know, I'm gonna have a wrestler. So Funk gave a great speech and it was, you know, and most guys are not in the arena they grew up going to as a fan. Mm -hmm. Like the, to be there in the garden, all those years after I retired, have people chanting my name, it was really special. Yeah, I'm sure that must have been an incredible moment. You you mentioned you, you got to drop a, an elbow on Chris on that Chris night. Jericho, yep. I'm counting that as a victory. <laughs> I absolutely think you should. I'm gonna talk to Chris after this. I'm gonna send him a text and talk to him about that. Uh, last little thing I'll, I'll mention is, I didn't discover it until about you know a month ago, Holy Foley. Yeah. It was a great, how's the family doing by the way? Oh, you got your family at Colette. You got, yeah, uh, they're all doing pretty Julie. good. They're all doing pretty My daughter got a concussion a couple months ago. Oh, bummer. Uh, riding a roller coaster of all things. Wow, where, so what amusement park was that? Um, it was Dollywood. I, you know, I love Dolly. Uh, yeah. But, you know, some of those things, you know, they have a lot of motion there. And so uh, she, uh, she got banged up. And so she, other than that, you know, we're all doing pretty good. And we're hoping that she'll be feeling better soon. That was such a fun show. I mean, I know there are people gonna, you know, who did knock us for doing it. It's like, hey, let me see you turn down the chance to hang out with your own family for ten weeks and get paid and yeah. do something together that That's you will remember cool. the rest yeah, of your lives. Absolutely. Like it was a great experience. I enjoy. I enjoyed watching it. I think. It was, I think it was a great show. It was like, you know, I mean, it's. It's the reality TV show thing, you know. It, it is, is what it is. is but it is, what's but funny I mean, is even with all the pro, you know produced segments in there, uh, the dialogue's all real. You're reacting the way you would if you were actually in that scenario. But then even amidst all the production, you have these very real moments. moments yeah, they're happening. Probably it's got to be hard to you know. I mean, oh, as you got cameras here. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I swear when they were doing my business, they were doing yeah. my birthday at Knobles Grove in um, Pennsylvania. And so it's like, I know that my wife isn't actually decorating the, the cabin to look. I know they have production assistants doing that, yeah. you know? And like, I come in, I know my daughter didn't bake me a shoe fly pie. Like, <laughs> I know my wife didn't get me the spoilers. Look at all these spoilers boots, you know? Nick's giving me. <laughs> but then, I don't know, I hear my music playing, the wreck, yeah. my theme. And I think it's the radio, you know, radio or stereo. And I realize, wait a second, this is live music. And I look over and there's my son Mickey playing uh, playing my music like he'd worked on it without That's my knowledge. Rad. And uh, and he rocked out on it. And I was like, this is the best birthday ever. That and this great. moment is so real, even you know, even in reality TV. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's super cool. Um, I forget where I was going to go here now. There's like there's a way. I, oh, I meant so in the in the show. There's one one thing. You have a, a, a Christmas room. Yes. You still have this room. Well, yeah, it's a little different. That, in the interest of full disclosure, they rented that house for okay. us because 
my house is more than 42 miles from New York City. Okay. So they either had to put the crew up in hotels or pay them like uh, overtime. And so they sent me a photo of a house like uh, they wanted to rent, I showed it to my wife. And uh, I would come back every weekend. She loved that house so much she just stayed there. She I never gotcha. came back. But it was a great house. And <laughs> yeah, also, it, looked, uh, it looked gorgeous. Yeah, it was really beautiful. So I do have the original Christmas room, and it's still looking good. That's awesome. So you love Christmas all year round. I just have to ask, do you turn it up around Christmas time? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, we, you decorating the house, you doing the whole nine? Um, you know what? Here's the thing is, uh, no, I don't do any extra decorating. Because I realized, remember Clint Eastwood, I'm dating myself, I'm a lot older than you, but he had a movie called Magnum Force, and the catchphrase there was, a man's got to know his limitations. Yes. So I took that to heart. And especially after around 91, I was like, in no way, shape, or form does like a 300-pound guy on a ladder yelling curses in the air <laughs> add to anyone's holiday spirit. So It's, it's definitely not Santa-esque. I've, I've hired guys a few times to do it, right, but yeah. by and large, we don't decorate that much. Not more You're not than Griswolding our, it out. Not Griswolding it out, even though I am friends with Ellen Griswold. That's, that's pretty rare. Beverly came to my show two years ago in Pasadena. That's right. She yelled out, I love you, Meg. I heard that voice from Ellen Griswold. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty incredible. So do you ever watch back, like, have you seen all of your matches? No, I don't like to watch them. You don't like to watch them. No, back. a lot of people are. I mean, I hear, understand. I know people. some people are different about that. I could imagine. I don't like to watch back our performances or anything uh, like even that. Even last night, which I thought was one of the best events I've done, uh, they were kind enough to record it for me. And I watched a couple minutes. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't yeah, want to mess really it with my memory of what went down. Although I should watch it just to see what worked, what didn't work, yeah. what I might be able to. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it for you and tell you how about that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm, I can go back in my head and be like, I, I'm going to try it. I'm going to put more emphasis on this syllable. You know, like yeah. even the littlest thing, you know, even if it's a facial it might, it expression, might get to, yeah, you know, yeah. like the thing I do where Danucci tells me, you know, uh, you know, the first compliment he gives me is where he's like, you got a ball this big. <laughs> and then you're like, that that's moment. a pretty good line, but how do I get material out of it? So as soon as I, then I establish that I have to put the microphone in the, cradle so that I can use both hands for a gesture and and it's just fun to to stretch it out and see where the laughs come yeah and some nights they, they come at different points in front of different audiences and uh, I think everything in life comes down to getting your reps in so whether it's be you know being in a band or playing being a bat shooting a basketball yeah come in is this how we end with the yeah, knock I guess the so. door? All right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I just want to ask you to try and work in at one point in your life on the on the on the on the tour here. Can you work in the the Chamber of Horrors from 1991 <laughs> Halloween Havoc? <laughs> you can ask about it tonight. Oh, I'll ask about Please it tonight. If, anyone, if you if you get a chance, go check out Halloween <laughs> Havoc 1991 and, and watch Halloween, the butcher get, get, get electrocuted. Speaking of Halloween, my son Mickey does a metal version of the Halloween theme where he plays lead guitar, rhythm guitar, drums, bass, keyboard, and does all his own editing. This and sounds rad. Pretty cool. I'm gonna so. have to check this out. Good of you, Mickey. Yeah. Good of you. So where can the, the folks check you out a little bit Just more? Just go, I keep it real. RealMickFoley.com is the uh, email or the website and uh, Facebook and Twitter are RealMickFoley. Awesome, man. Hey, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Appreciate it, Johnny. Thank you. Good night.
Go check out drinkswithjohnny.com for everything Drinks with Johnny, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. That'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Remember, you could still head over to the YouTube channel to see video of this episode as well as others. Uh, if you want to see my pretty face and mix as well, go ahead and head over there and uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification sign so you never miss a new clip coming out. Uh, again, thanks to Mick Foley for being on the show. We had a lot of fun. Obviously, we were in a backstage dressing room, so you could hear all the background music there. and uh, it, was, it was just a super cool hang. Uh, we didn't get to, on to everything I wanted to talk about, so I think I'm going to have to ask Mick to come back on the show, and we'll have another conversation. Uh, hopefully, he'll just uh, come by my house, and we'll do one proper there. But it was still a lot of fun. Uh, again, thanks to Mick. And uh, next week on the show we are going to have lizzie and rj hail from hailstorm on the show uh, very fun um they're out in nashville right now writing a record so we did it via skype uh there is video though that we that we were able to get and i sent them a bottle of wine it was a really fun chat i've known those guys for a lot of years now and uh just really excited for their career and what they've done and we get into some music side of things and talk a little bit about the first time we met and touring and you know they were they just got back from a cruise uh it was a lot of fun uh so don't miss that episode coming out next week also make sure to go follow us on twitter facebook and instagram uh all those are drinks with johnny pretty easy to find if you're listening to this you probably already know and probably already subscribed but if you're not make sure you do and I guess that's about it for uh, this week. And uh, until next time, cheers. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.